Hey guys, this is Margie from Delaware. Uh, congratulations, Zena, on your award. That's fantastic. I have a question for all three of you. Just wondering what you think of the old Hammer horror movies. You know, the ones of Frankenstein and Dracula with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. They are my visual comfort food. They are the ones I turn to when I'm having a bad day or I'm sick or whatever. So anyway, have a great week. Bye. Thanks, Margie. Uh, I will be the first to admit I am not a huge Hammer Horror aficionado. I think I've seen as many of their prehistoric movies as their horror movies. And I think they've got like three prehistoric movies. Um, I think I've seen Christopher Guest as, or Christopher Lee as uh, Dracula. (laughs) Although I'd love to see Christopher Guest as Dracula. That would be a very tonal uh, shift there. That would be amazing. Um, So I'll leave it up to you two. Uh, Zena, do you have uh, some love for Hammer Horror? Well, I do. Um, thank you so much, Margie. Um, I didn't grow up with like the Hammer movies. Like some people, like like they were watching them like since they were like kids and stuff. So I was extremely late, and I want to say maybe within the last six years or so is when I really started to like dive in and watch them. But I agree with with Margie, where it's just like there is something very comforting about them. Like you could just put them on, and like it's just the dialogue is so. <laughs> I know that that sounds a little bit off, but it's it's just very soothing. So, but yeah, they put me in a great mood. Yeah, uh, I I agree with Zena in in that I feel like they're kind of an untapped well. Like we don't watch a lot of Hammer Horror or discuss mm-hmm. Hammer Horror as much as you know Universal classics get so much love and, and coverage. But there's so many Hammer Horror films. Um, and yeah, they are a little bit melodramatic, but they do mm-hmm. tend to have these really gorgeous productions in gothic style. But I kind of like the Hammer Outliers. You know, obviously the classic monsters are great, but I love when they go weird, like Vampire Circus. Oh, where yeah. You know, it's literally vampire <laughs> sideshow creatures. And then uh, when they merge with Hong Kong, the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Or when they go full-blown sword adventure with Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. I really like when they branch out. And I like that also another thing that we don't really talk about is that they're coming back a little bit. Like The Lodge mm-hmm. is a Hammer Horror yes, production. The Lodge. and um, The Lodge is Hammer Horror? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As what? well as uh, the nuts. sequel of The Woman. In Black? Or the woman, mm-hmm. period. The woman in black. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. People wouldn't really connect the lodge to Hammer Horror, but yeah. yeah. Like no. they're kind of coming coming back a bit. Mm-hmm. They have some really cool thrillers too. I think that this one might be on um Tubi Resident. Hillary Swank is in it. Oh uh, yeah. That's a yeah. spicy one. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Call two. Hey guys. What other video games would you guys like to see turn into horror movies? Uh, now, of course, we're going to discount Resident Evil and the Silent Hills of the World as those have already happened. I'm wondering what games that have not been turned into movies would you guys be interested in seeing? And who do you think should maybe direct and star in some of those? Thanks. Keep up the great work with podcast. Thanks, listener. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pass this right over to Megan, one for connectivity issues on my end and two, because she has mentioned video games far more on this podcast than I have. So Megan, what do you think? I got a lot. (laughs) Uh, uh, this is a personal favorite of mine and I just want them to even reboot the video game, but I will happily take a movie. Uh, zombies ate my neighbors. 
I want. Yes. The, wouldn't this make a super fun that would be movie? So great. It's it's a Super Nintendo slash Sega Genesis game, depending on which system was your yes. go-to. But it's like two characters, and it's very fifties inspired. You go through all these different levels, fighting everything under the sun. You know, creatures from the Black Lagoon, killer giant eighty foot babies, uh, zombies, obviously, um, just and little <laughs> little killer dolls. Hedge killers with the chainsaws. I, I mean, Wolfman, Dracula's, everything, everything. And it's just so fun. I think that could make an excellent movie or horror comedy. I agree. Um, I think there's a lot of movies that could be similar, but I want a Dead Space uh, adaptation in proper. Mm. Uh, full-blown pl- practical effects. Give me lots of gore. All of that. There's already animes of those, though. There is, but live action. Give me the live action. <laughs> I mean, the cartoon, or it. sorry, animated gore is not nearly as exciting as, you know, practical effect live action <laughs> gore. Um, Bioshock, we've come close to having a couple of Bioshock mm. adaptations, but we have not yet. So come on, people. Fatal Frame, which technically yes. there is a movie. But it's not at all like the games. It's mm-hmm. more like a Memento Mori type, like Schoolgirl, Haunted Schoolgirl. That's not what Fatal Frame is. So I want a mm-hmm. Fatal Frame adaptation. Alan Wake would make a really good uh, video game adaptation. PT, the uh, playable teaser that was supposed to be a Silent Hill game by uh, Hideo Kojima with a collaboration with Guillermo del Toro, which obviously never happened. And it's the most coveted teaser wow. ever that oh, people still... I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so effing creepy. So, you know, if we're never going to get a silent Hill proper like that, just give me like a movie spinoff of the, that teaser PT. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's a start. I feel like that's a healthy start. That is. Gosh, Megan, now my list probably sucks. No, it doesn't. Never. Never. Okay, um, so I'm going to go with Outlast because I have so much fun when I play. Basically, it's about, like, this journalist, right? He decides to sneak into this, like, crumbling hospital in Colorado, and, you know, there's, like, psychotic you know patients running around killing everybody and it's it's actually pretty scary too but i it's yeah. one of those games where because it's like the motion sickness i can't play it too often mm. but it's it's wonderful and i i can see that being like a really really great one then another one i want to go old school I, well two of them are old school so the first one remember that game from the 80s um ghosts and goblins yes that game ruined my childhood okay it's because so you frustrating it is. Why is it so hard? Why it is so hard? <laughs> because, you know, I, I thought, okay, I just think that it could be fun just just because of the fact that it has, like, obviously, like, spooky little creatures in there. And, yeah. you know, maybe they can even target it towards, like, I don't want to say preteens, but, like, teens type of thing. You know, it could be fun. Yeah. Other thing. Uh, just the last one. So there was this game I played. I remember I was in third grade. And I don't know why my parents let me play it, but they did. Here we are. Um, the game is called Tecmo's Deception Invitation to Darkness. And I remember it came out like in like 95 or 96. And it's basically about this character who dies. And then he goes to Satan and he says like, hey, you know, I really want to go back. I want to find out what happened to me. So you have to investigate who murdered you, who did it. And you That's don't cool. know. Right? And so it's kind of like a whodunit clue type of thing, but he's like a prince and stuff, and it's pretty magical, you know? It's magical. Murder mysteries are magical, yeah. 
they are. They're like cages and bear traps and you get to control all that. Like, rocks my life. Okay, <laughs> that's it. See, now, now you made me think. Again, I haven't played a whole lot of horror video games, but that totally made me think of my childhood playing. Did either of you ever play Maniac Mansion? Yes. No, but that sounds spicy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because I recently looked it up in the walkthrough that if you know exactly how to play the game, you can beat it in like seven minutes. Oh, wow. But, but it's point and click and you don't know what you're really doing. And it'd take like hours and hours and hours and days of your life trying to figure it out. And I, I loved it like growing up. Like it was super simple looking back on it and nostalgic to the point where I'm like, oh, man, this uh, I really liked this game, huh? But I think yeah. it could be really cool because it's also a kind of murder mystery with tentacles. Hey, we could make, make an Asian horror movie out of it. Well, perfect. That could be cool. Uh, the other one I was thinking uh, was The Suffering on PS2. That was one of the, the last PS2 games I really got into. It was about uh, a convicted serial killer, convicted murderer on death row, and then, like, basically monsters start attacking. Yeah. So it's a guy has to, like, kill his way out of prison. As which one is, does. Whoa. Totally works. The, <laughs> uh, the other one I was thinking, I for a while I got really into watching game walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. Like, not playing games. Like, a, like because cinematic scenes got so cool, I, I got, like, interested in watching those. Mm-hmm. And the one that I really liked watching was The Evil Within. Oh, yeah. Like, because, like, the first five minutes is basically a movie anyway. But then, like, the creature, like, the safe, the, the dude with, like, the safe on his head and it's wrapped in barbed wire. Like, some of the creature effects could be absolutely amazing, especially if you get whoever did the original Silent Hill movie on it. That could be really awesome. Like, Silent Hill kind of falls apart towards the very end as a movie, but the creature effects are outstanding. And uh, that could totally work with the evil within. So, yeah, I contributed more than I thought I would. Yeah, good job. <laughs> you know things. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her award-winning YouTube channel and website Real Queen of Horror and her infinite love for the genre. Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. I do really awkward segues between, uh, between segments. <laughs> If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Okay, so I watched a lot of things last week. So that's that's the first thing I just wanted to tell you guys that. All right. So, um, so obviously, if it made the list, you know, today, that means that it's like really special. So uh, the first thing I watched, Baby Blood, a.k.a. The Evil Within. On DVD, it's from 89 or 1990. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, the creature in the womb of a young woman commands her to kill males for their blood. And this is probably one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen. And I, I watch a lot of bloody stuff, but some of it was just like, oh. okay, is that necessary? Yes, you know? <laughs> it is necessary. It is. It is. But it was just like, it was getting ridiculous, you know? It's just like every scene. Um, but I think we also kind of spoke about this before. I think, Megan, maybe you mentioned it. I I probably I've seen this before. It's like I feel like it's kind of a precursor to Prevenge. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that or uh, yeah. even the French extreme movement that came along mm-hmm. a little bit later. Yeah. Super delightfully gory. Yeah. It's a comedy, too. It is. And it, it's crazy because it's just like, OK, 
I first of all, it has a really cool title. It's very enticing. You kind of just want to know what it is. But, you know, I, I kind of hope that more people are able to check this movie out. Uh, a friend of mine actually gifted me this DVD because I think I told you guys this before, but I have like a lot of friends who don't like horror movies. So they want to live through me, which I don't mind. Use me, you know, give me, give me your horror movies and then I'll tell you things. I need but friends no. like this who will just <laughs> give me DVDs. Yeah, it was, it was really cool of him. But um, basically, uh, okay, so there's this woman, she's like a circus performer. And then she gets impregnated by like some kind of monster. Then she's on the run. And she's listening to her unborn creature baby, who's like speaking to her. He it's like literally demanding like, it wants blood, like a lot, you know, it was, it was getting ridiculous. And um, as Megan said, it is like a, a comedy, but it's, you know, obviously, it's a horror too. And yeah. It's just like it's crazy because this woman like she's just listening to it. She's listening to it. She's running around. No shoes. Her feet are dirty. There are dead bodies coming <laughs> up everywhere. <laughs> like it's it's funny, you know, but there are some scenes that is kind of like it'll make you cringe a, a couple of times. Like there was this well, okay, I won't spoil it. But the point is, um it, it's very bloody. I don't mind it, and I know this movie's definitely not for everyone because you'll probably be turned off by some of the scenes, some of the language. Um, and I think that in a way, it kind of reminded me of Street Trash, like just at least the way it looks, you know? Um, and also it's similar to, uh, yeah, Prevenge, like, like Megan said, but also I want to say like Basket Case too because it was kind of like that, you know? But yeah, I, I feel like it is one of the very, very much underrated. And it was like, it, it's like, uh, it, it's a French movie. Um, and it is very much a French movie, you, you, if you know what I mean. Like very much bloody and in your face, very violent. So that was a But also kind of artful, movie. you know, there's... Yeah, there's, it is It is kind of artsy and stuff. It's trying to say something. So trying, yeah. but you know, I don't know. But, <laughs> But it's it's fine. <laughs> Overall, though, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was just kind of like, you know, those movies where it's like you just keep on thinking about it. And that's how you know, like, you love yeah, it. it so, with you. Yeah. So that was like the, the first one. And then this one was just like a rewatch for me. But it's been like maybe I want to say a couple of years and it's Bones. I watched it on Tubi. It's from 2001. Uh, so Jimmy Bones, he comes, bra comes back as a ghost, you know, uh, ready to uh, get revenge, you know, against people who killed him and they messed up his neighborhood. So I feel like if you love black exploitation horror movies, you may enjoy this one. It's a mixture, I feel, between like JD's Revenge and, and Blackula. Um, I feel like even though Jimmy Bones is, you know, he's, he's a villain, you know, um, but he's a villain who has a heart and you kind of love him for it he wants to protect his people he wants to protect the neighborhood and no it's not scary um it is more I feel like it is more funny um but then there's there's like a lot of like supernatural elements that's in it there's even like I don't know if this is like a nod to Italian horror most likely it is since the since the director Ernest Dickerson like there's like spraying maggots and stuff that just you know it's gross but you love it. But yeah, so, um, oh, and then speaking of Hammer, because we were actually talking about Hammer movies, there's a lot of bright colors. A lot of bright colors in this one, bright red colors and stuff. And plus it has like an awesome cast. Uh, Snoop Dogg, Pam Greer, Bianca Lawson, Catherine Isabel. Uh, there's a rapper named uh, Khalil Kane and a comedian, Ricky Harris. And there's just so many people. So, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of still bummed that they never made like a sequel. 
which I don't feel like it's too late. They could do mm-hmm. it. They could do it. You know, Dickerson um, needs more movies. Like, why he sh- give him more horror stuff to direct? He needs it. He does. Like, just do it, Ernest. Just but yeah, do that's, it, so Ernest. That's, so that's that's what I watched. Uh, <laughs> these two. I wasn't gonna include a third one, but um, no. All right, Megan. So what did you watch? <laughs> I was, but no. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> I watched Dreamscape. I watched this on HBO Max. Uh, it's in the horror section. And I remember this cover when I was younger, but it does not, the cover box does not look horror at all. It looks like an Indiana Jones kind of knockoff. Uh, it was released in 1984. And as for plot, it's about a young psychic on the run from himself. And he's recruited by a government agency experimenting with the use of dream-sharing tech. He's given the task of planting an idea into the mind of the U.S. president. <laughs> it's it's a weird one. Uh, directed by Joseph Rubin, who followed this up with 1987's The Stepfather. Uh, it was just released a couple months ahead of A Nightmare on Elm Street. That blows my mind, because essentially both plots, uh, down, distilled down to its most simple terms, is about people getting murdered in their dreams. So, yeah, and it was pointed out to me, and forgive me, I don't remember the name, but somebody pointed out on on Twitter that the artist, the same artist for both posters, and planted the snake monster that appears in Dreamscape on the Nightmare on Elm Street poster. It's like a little weird Easter egg. It's interesting. So uh, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street connection is also continued because one of the writers for this movie is Chuck Russell, who... His follow-up after this was Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. So apparently he was in the business of dream slaying. Um, <laughs> Dennis Quaid, is he's the good psychic. Uh, there's a bad psychic that is also being used as this government pawn to commit murder. And that's David Patrick Kelly, who always slays as a bad guy. Uh, Warriors. I apparently <laughs> really love the Warriors. Uh, it also stars Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer. So... Basically, I'm just kind of surprised at at this movie that I wrote off because covers were oh so important to child mind who wanted to see like more monsters and and horror forward covers to entice me to rent. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a mix, you know. A lot of it's sci-fi ish, a lot of it's kind of government conspiracy, but there are some crazy nightmare sequences in this that I I think hold up. I mean, some of the the Effects don't like it opens with a nightmare of somebody running in front of an obvious green screen and it, it looks goofy. But the the snake man effects are pretty awesome. Uh, Craig Reardon did that and he's a legendary uh, special makeup effects artist who's behind, you know, the sloth from the Goonies. He did Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of the stuff for the gate. So, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I liked it. And then uh, at the total opposite end, instead of retro, I went modern with The Vigil. That's out on VOD now. It just released this weekend. Uh, it's was made in 2019, but it's a 2021 release. And the plot is about a man providing an overnight watch to a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community. And he finds himself opposite a malevolent, a malevolent entity. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a demonic possession type horror movie but through a jewish lens which means that you get a whole new type of mythology and way of fighting it i mean at the core it is about a guy suffering a crisis of faith after a tragedy and he's left behind his orthodox 
uh, community and is struggling financially, which is not necessarily related to the church, but, um, and he's, he's accepted a job out of financial desperation to, to stand vigil, like, and the, as a showmer and a showmer's role, it's, it's usually either a paid person or a family member. And they're just supposed to watch over a recently deceased body and guard against evil spirits. And he's alone in this strange house watching uh, over a body and the widow is an alzheimer's she suffers mm-hmm. from alzheimer's but she's mostly upstairs and then creepy stuff starts happening and it's actually genuinely creepy um yeah. and yeah and so it's instead of christian faith it's jewish faith and instead of like pazuzu it's a mazik which is also super refreshing because i think you know what little jewish horror there is it tends to focus on dibbix which is uh, you know malicious spirit and this is an mm-hmm. actual demon so it's it's pretty fresh it's pretty spooky i really liked it we definitely need more jewish horror agreed and uh what i thought was pretty cool with this one is that the director it's his first feature yeah Isn't that awesome like yeah. wow cool stuff good job keith thomas what'd you watch john we know what you watch but what'd you watch <laughs> To start with my first watch, Megan's pick was 1995's Day of the Beast on Tubi, which if you try and search Day of the Beast on Tubi, you won't find because Uh it's under its Spanish title, El Dia de la Bestia. If you want to watch it, that's how. Bent on committing as many sins as possible to avert the birth of the beast, a Catholic priest teams up with a black metal aficionado and an Italian connoisseur of the occult. Now he must become an unrelenting sinner. Is there still hope? So, Megan, why'd you pick it? Well, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, one that I mentioned last week is that I am nudging you towards Christmas horror and showing you that it can be more than your basic uh, Christmas iconography stuff. Two, I feel like... It is a good gauge or barometer to test whether you will like Alex de Iglesias' stuff. So I love him, but he does have a very wicked, dark sense of humor. So yeah, that's why I picked this. If this is the barometer, then I suppose, yes, I will hin- I will enjoy his stuff. Because I did enjoy this. Yay! It took me a long time to watch because it's a reader. And I was working. It's my background music. But I did really like it. Like, pretty much right off the bat. Like... Like, because you don't, you don't understand that the priest is intentionally trying to be a sinner immediately. So he starts doing these really mean things in the first five minutes. And like, what, the, what's he doing? Why is he being so mean? And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> but more than anything, I love the black metal aficionado, Jose. Yeah. I thought you might. I thought you might. Yeah. It is actually a really funny movie. It like, is. And like, and there's a couple of twists that totally make sense in context. But no, I, I, I thought it was great, you know, and, and then, you know, it, once you get to the very end, once they start throwing some CGI in there, there's some pretty rough green screen effects, but it works like in it context, does. it's 95, all yeah. of it. Like, no, it, it, it's actually, it's actually a pretty fun watch. Like it, it definitely it, it, falls into my comedy horror, um, like wheelhouse. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. Now you get to see the cool goat before Black Phillip was a thing. It's true. Yeah. It was creepy as hell. Go watch it for yourself to find out more about the the creepy goat. Yes. Okay. Xena's pick. 2020's Rent-A-Pal on Hulu. Set in 1990, David, 40, 
looks after his mother who suffers from dementia. He uses a video dating service in an attempt to find companionship to no avail. As a last attempt at staving off his loneliness, David buys a Rent-A-Pal videotape, and things change. Okay, Zena, why? <laughs> okay, um, I honestly think that it's just a great thriller horror. I had a lot of fun with it. I went into it blind, where it's kind of like you kind of know what's going to happen, but then when it actually happens and it's it's more in your face, more hardcore, you kind of root you root for the character David because he's just lonely, you know, has no one really to talk to. And plus on top of that, like um I really enjoy like the the cinematography and even with uh what's his name? Andy, played by Will, Will Wheaton. Wheaton. I like the fact that he's weird, right? But he's not yeah. too weird because there's there's yeah. like sometimes people do too much. So that's why. Yes. It was a very interesting exercise in restraint from that point of view. Like mm-hmm. I, so watching it and like once the tapes come into, or the tape comes into play, I was kind of thinking like, oh, okay, like how far is this going to go? Mm-hmm. But the actual interplay between David and Andy in the videotapes is done spectacularly that like that as much as it's almost as if Andy is reacting to David and David to Andy, mm-hmm. like the, the film out keeps pulling you back saying like, this is a tape. This is a tape. Like yeah. David's playing into the fact this is a tape. He's watching it over and over again, knowing what's going to happen. It's a tape. But then, like, there's certain instances, like, where it's paused and Andy's, like, scowling at him. And, yeah. And, like, it just, and, like, and there's even, like, a moment later on where, like, you see this picture and you're like, well, wait a second. Wait. Wait, what does this mean? Because now I'm confused mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not going to explain why that picture is there. Um, but it was, no, it, it was kind of a tough watch because, again, like, it's, it's more that awkward. Like, I just felt bad for him. Like, yeah, I just want to give do. the dude a high five and invite him out for a beer, you right? know, like just, he needs a friend, you know, yeah, he's a full-time caretaker for his, uh, his abusive mother with dementia, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and his father had committed suicide and it's just like, oh, and then like, and then like, there's a moment where like, yay. And then, oh, yeah. Like, like you just want really, him to win. Oh, you do. And then, yeah, it's. No, it's really well done, and and the the plot device of the tape is done, in my opinion, like superbly. Like they they could have gone a lot crazier with it. They could have mm-hmm. made it way more outlandish or difficult to believe, but they didn't. Like I felt like they they played that really restrained to mm-hmm. its own benefit. Like no, True. that was a it was a really good pick, and I wouldn't have watched it normally because, like you said, like I would have might I might have clicked through and been like, oh, what's this? Right. Like ah, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to go watch something else. But, no, this was a – it was a good pick. And it's on Hulu. I highly recommend this one, too, for people Yay! out there. Like, it's a little, it's a little cringy, and you're, it's, you're rooting for them, but it's, it's got some pretty good twists in there, too. Awesome. So, from two really good picks to a eh, pick that I've been <laughs> meaning to watch, and then someone pointed out that it was finally available on Tubi, I, just, I, have to, I finally have to put a found footage one in there. And it's 2019's The Lost Footage of Leah Sullivan. I've been meaning to watch this for a while. I've been on my list, and I just never bothered to rent it. So, An unedited memory card from a camera shows Leah Sullivan's school project about a cold case murder that doesn't seem to be so cold after all. 
So this one, high marks for sticking to the phone footage idea that it's an unedited memory card. And they play that up a lot. There's plenty of scenes where she's like doing a take. Leah's doing a take for a project. And like the, the guy who's working with her on this mm-hmm. is flubbing stuff. And they're kind of laughing at each other and reacting. And like, those aren't cut out. There's no hard cuts. Like it's the camera's turned off versus a lot of phone footage. It's clearly been edited. And sometimes okay. I'll explain that within the movie, like, Oh, whatever. But this isn't like, it just seems like it's, take after take after take like there's no uh there's no hard edits or hard cuts in any of it or the only hard cuts are when they she stops recording but there's no like edited scenes okay um there's some really good scares for sure there's a few that really jump out at you the only thing that i kind of lost is it got stuck within the cliche in found footage or haunted house or whatever kind of things someone has to go to another person into staying <laughs> and i don't think that's necessary that like i think we should go i think we should go oh just just give me one more minute i just have to take another picture da, 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 what but you don't have to do that because you know that it's building tension you know that towards the end of the movie somehow they're going to get trapped in the house or something's going to happen it doesn't need to be that mocking of another right. character because it's like you're all that for me is it's fuel on the fire of, oh, okay. So you're just really building up to something bad's going to happen to him. And so for me, that kind of takes the suspense out of it. That I'm just anticipating bad things the more someone is forcing another person to stay. Mm-hmm. If someone went down into a creepy basement and one of the people said, hey, I don't like this. I want to go. And the other person said, yeah, I don't like this either. Let's get out of here. That is the exact same effect for me. Okay, so what do we watch and how do we watch it? <laughs> okay, so I watched <laughs> uh, Baby Blood on DVD, and then I also watched Bones on Tubi. I watched Dreamscape on HBO Max and The Vigil on VOD. And I watched Day of the Beast on Tubi, which is it's listed under El Dia de la Bestia, and uh, Rent-A-Pal on Hulu, and the lost footage of Leah Sullivan on Tubi. If the segue into this got awkward, it's because my computer is junk today and mm-hmm. it might be a little bit shaky for the rest. So uh, before I can stop talking quick, uh, Megan, what am I watching next week? <laughs> Have you seen Housebound? Mm, 2014 so. New Zealand movie oh, so much about a house arrest teen who discovers her mom's home might be haunted. No, I haven't. It's on Tubi. That's your assignment. Yay. Zena. Okay. So this is... Uh, God, I, I was going to pick this one last week, but then something else came to mind, so I might save this one. I'm going to go with... Have you seen Starry Eyes? I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay. So Starry Eyes, 2014, and that one's on Tubi. All right. Enough about what we've been watching this week and my constant computer issues. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, Megan, what's going on? Spike Lee is going to be summoning Cthulhu for Netflix. 
Uh, Lee partnered with the streaming. Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Lee partnered with the streaming giant for his latest film, Defy Bloods, and now sets his sights on producing Gordon Hemingway in the Realm of Cthulhu to be directed by Stephen Bristol. So Lee previously produced Bristol's debut, which is also on Netflix. It's a time traveling coming of age story. See you yesterday. I have not watched it, but it looks cute. Um, the new feature is based on an original screenplay by Hank Woon, is set in East Africa in 1928, and centers on Gordon Hemingway, a roguish black American gunslinger who teams up with the elite warrior Princess Zenebe of Ethiopia to rescue the country's kidnapped regent from an ancient evil. That plot is just so epic. I am excited already. Um, and just a couple of days after this announcement broke, they... Variety reported that Jonathan Majors, fresh off of playing Atticus Freeman in Misha Green's HBO series Lovecraft Country, is in talks to star as Gordon Hemingway. Wow. Yeah, if he takes that on, uh, that means that Majors might be the reigning champ in taking on Eldritch Horrors. I imagine that Xena might have thoughts on this. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I went through this phase. Like, I used to be really, really into Spike Lee movies. Like, he could do no wrong. But then there was a movie that did wrong, and I was very upset about it. Um, what, what we movie? shall not mention. Oh, okay. I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to ask guess. you later. <laughs> yeah, she's so she's very spicy about this. I am. I, I feel very passionate about it because I remember when it was like, okay. Point is, is that I'm really excited about it because even though, no, he's not, he's not directing it. He's producing it. And that's a big deal, you know? So it's just like, I, I just, I love the fact that there's going to be more monsters and I love Jonathan Majors. And then honestly, I know I can't act and I would never try to audition because I'm super shy, but I just want to be the princess. How are you super shy? I feel like that's, (laughs) that's not true at all. I am. I'm a shy little flower, Megan. Like a shy little flower. (laughs) I watched. your house party youtube and you oh me yelling you were yelling at him and keeping everybody in line yeah i'm not buying your because shy little that's flower not in person that's not in person in person it's I'm on like a, a camera though you could you could do the john <laughs> method and just just be like can i play a dead body in the background oh my god i am yes, still please. open for this movie <laughs> <laughs> Me and John can both play dead bodies in the background, please. Yeah, there you go. Yay! Yeah. You have any thoughts on <laughs> I'll this? Travel one, John? for that. Uh, I, you know, the fact that he's producing makes a little bit more sense. I thought he was potentially writing or directing, and I was like, wow, that's a jump into H.P. Lovecraft. Seems like a pretty big leap from Spike Lee's like previous yeah. stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, I've never been a massive H.P. Lovecraft fan, and it feels like in the last five to ten years there's been like this really huge resurgence mm-hmm. about people even talking about you know Cthulhu or even being able to pronounce it in the first place. Yeah, that's um, wild. <laughs> I, you know, I've said in the past like I'm. He's got really dense writing, and I've had to narrate it in the past, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard stuff to read out loud, so I have nothing but respect if any actors have to come anywhere near the original dialogue or or exposition, but. I'm open. I'm curious. Like, I I actually like to see, like, the art depictions of Cthulhu. Like, yeah. I like to see, like, what they're going to do with it. And honestly, really, I'd like to see someone just really nail it so people can stop asking for a Cthulhu movie. True. Even though I, I still consider Hellboy to be the definitive Cthulhu movie. Either way. I mean, Lee is 
behind, I think, at least the first two Tales from the Hood movies. So, I mean, he's already proven that he's he's got a feel for producing, you mm-hmm. know, great horror, at least. And I like the kind of reclamation um, of H- H.P. Lovecraft, because let's be real, he was a bit of a dick human being. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in this already. Um, also, Paramount is uh, launching a streaming service, and they're going to be releasing the next Paranormal Activity exclusively and a Pet Cemetery prequel. If you watch the Super Bowl, you might have noticed a lot of ads for upcoming streaming service Paramount Plus, which, by the way, P.S., why is the plus uh, the new trend in streaming service naming uh, it's branding that's a whole other tangent but uh all all of the the ads featured a slew of memorable like cinematic characters on a mountaintop so that streaming service is a rebranding of cbs all access and it's la- launching this week on march 4th this streaming service has lofty ambitions uh, ahead of its launch it was revealed that paramount and blumhouse's upcoming new installment of in the paranormal activity franchise will be going straight to paramount plus it's uh, Christopher Landon, Happy Death Day, and Freaky. He's officially on board to write, or he obviously is probably well underway in writing it. Um, he's going to write the next installment. And William Eubank, fresh off of last year's Underwater, is directing, which nice. is actually exciting. Um, so the new movie has been described as an unexpected retooling of the franchise, reportedly continuing the tradition of taking found footage approach. Uh, Landon, he's no stranger to paranormal activity. He wrote the second, third, and fourth installments, and he wrote and directed the marked ones. So, um, this movie is currently dated for release next year, March 4th, 2022. The streaming service is also working on a prequel to Pet Cemetery with 2019 remakes Jeff Bueller attached to pen the script. So he wrote the remake. He's going to be writing this, uh, on nondescript prequel there are no plot plot details at this time so um i remember that reactions were pretty mixed Mm -hmm. probably putting it mildly um (laughs) but it made an impressive 113 million dollars at the box office on a reported 21 million dollar budget so it's probably a no-brainer that paramount is going to be digging back into this well uh personally i don't know if anybody has any thoughts or attachments to stephen king's story but I feel like the Wendigo is an underexplored aspect of Stephen King's novel that I would not mind seeing uh, explored, but we shall see. Um, and it was also announced that big titles being released by Paramount will be heading to Paramount Plus just 45 days after theatrical release, which means that A Quiet Place 2 will be heading to the streaming service about a month and a half after its current September 17th theatrical release date. Assume, you know, assuming that doesn't get shifted again because this was supposed to be released last year and then next month. And yeah, so we shall see. But uh, their normal window is like much longer and this is being cut in half. So yet more reasons to sign up. And if that's not enough, Paranormal, uh, Paranormal, Paramount also announced that a new Fatal Attraction series is in the works for Paramount+. Plus that they're describing as a deep-dive reimagining of the psychosexual thriller that starred Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. The new take will be told through the lens of, a mo- of modern attitudes when it comes to strong women, personality disorders, and victim-shaming and coercive control. So yeah, that's a whole lot of news coming, yeah. <laughs> revolving uh, Paramount+. Plus. Any thoughts on any of this? Because it's a lot. 
Um, okay, well, first with Pet Cemetery, I was really surprised that they would like to do something with that one because we just had like a new one. Was it 2018, 2019? 2019, yeah. So it's just like, oh, okay, you know. Um, I mean, that's just how I felt. Not even in a like, oh, I'm being shady by saying, oh, okay. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, cool. You know, you just kind of just, you don't really know what, what more they could do with it, you know. I mean, there's more that you can do, but it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, you get my point. But yeah. <laughs> I I get what you're saying. I to- And I actually agree. But I also think that it's probably from a business standpoint a pretty easy way to dig back into their catalog and and create original con exclusive content from their library in in this like it's probably a financial easy go-to do i agree i don't know will i probably sign up and watch yeah uh, yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's just i'm i'm not really looking forward to seeing something happening to another child you know like that's That's assuming it is i mean the obvious my obvious fault is like i want a wendigo story i think Mm -hmm. that there's a whole lot there that they could do that would be unique and set it within the Stephen King universe, but so far removed that it feels like its own thing. The reality is they'll probably give us a Judd story, a Judd Crandall story from his. Okay. I mean, I'll take that. We'll see though. Yeah. John, do you have any thoughts? You're like, Uh, none. I don't like horror. I don't like horror prequels. Fair. I mean, there's probably been one that I liked and didn't think about it or didn't realize it was a prequel. I don't, I, I don't need people revealing mystery to me like that's part of what i love in horror like i don't need michael myers backstory what about paranormal activity though i i fully expect you to have thoughts on paranormal activity Uh, honestly i haven't seen parent i haven't seen a paranormal activity since the third or fourth one oh you haven't seen marked ones yet no i haven't watched those at all like wait oh wait maybe i saw the first marked ones wait there's only one 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 where like a little girl goes is there only one? Okay. I didn't yeah. see that one then. Okay. Or I didn't see it then. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's been a lot of going back to the well for me with Paranormal Activity. If they come up with like a kind of a fresh take on it, that's cool. Like yeah. I'll, I'll probably give it a shot if it's streaming, but I'm not going to get a streaming service just to see it. Like I already have yeah. too many subscriptions. There are so many, so mm-hmm. many, which is why so many. I don't fault Paramount for this overwhelming slew of news because they're clearly trying to set themselves apart because it is getting harder and harder and harder to to figure out which streaming service you should have and there is wait, wait i'm sorry i have one more thing to say about pet cemetery because lay it on us no it's nothing bad remember on the first pet cemetery how there was a character named um timmy timmy batterman and he was like the first victim and judd was telling his story and he had like a crazy laugh like okay timmy did or judd did timmy did like okay if you guys have time please just go back and and it wasn't supposed to be funny this is the 1989 movie right okay yes and he just looked like because you know i don't know something happened to him and then his dad or brought him back and, and judd was watching from his window like when he was a kid and like that guy's laughter, like was just insane. All right, I'm sorry, I'm going down the rabbit it's, hole. It's but stuck with her for it life. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up though. Um, Seventeen years after his Dawn of the Dead remake, Zack Snyder returns to the world of zombies with the new movie Army of the Dead, which has been in development for nearly just as long 
between movies. So uh, Army of the Dead, it released a teaser. Like, I think it was less than two minutes long that uh, mm-hmm. showed a whole lot of zombies. Um, Snyder's latest, starring Dave Bautista and a whole bunch of undead flesh eaters. A lot. A lot. If you look at the trailer, which is available on Bloody Disgusting, it is an insane amount of zombies circling this heist vehicle. It's coming it's exclusively- like World War Z level zombies. Yes, but they're not we spilling all over each other like weirdly like World War Z. No. Um, this is coming to Netflix exclusively on May 21st. The synopsis reads, following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. The MPA has given Snyder's zombie movie, which he describes as balls to the wall, an R rating for strong bloody violence, gore, and language throughout, some sexual content, and brief nudity slash graphic nudity. So, like I said, the teaser's available online. Uh, it looks like a natural evolution of Dawn of the Dead. Like, this looks like it is, would be in the same world to me. Did you guys watch the, the teaser at all or look at anything related? I haven't. Yeah, I did. You it, did? It looks, like a, it looks like a Zack. Yeah, it looks like a Zack Snyder movie. It looks like actually be a lot of slow-mo kills totally There's gonna be plenty of action like it, it, yeah no it'll be fine and honestly like i'm in for pretty much anything dave batista's in yeah it's got a good cast that does look like there's plenty of humor it looks like there's gonna be tons and tons of zombie carnage <laughs> um it's already has a live action prequel and an animated prequel series so two prequels one live action one animated in the works so netflix is banking on this hard and you know snyder's got a following so i imagine it'll it'll do fairly well for netflix so yeah and uh switching gears from zombies to werewolves josh rubin's werewolves within gets a first look so he's following up his feature debut the horror comedy scare me with another horror comedy this one a lycanthropic mystery werewolves within is based on the ubisoft vr game of the same name which is a multiplayer game set in a fictitious medieval town where a werewolf is attacking the townspeople and players must guess who among them is the werewolf in disguise which makes me want to play the game i need to play the game <laughs> in the film version it's not set in a medieval time it's modern uh shenanigans ensue when a massive blizzard isolates a small vermont town causing simmering resentments to boil over as the oddball townspeople are one by one picked off by a mysterious creature so they're getting this divided town is getting snowed in at a local lodge. The forest ranger, played by Sam Richardson, and the local poster, postal worker, Milana Vantrub, they're trying to keep the peace while also figuring out what the hell is lurking in the shadows terrorizing this town. The list of werewolf suspects is played by a murderer's row of comedy notables and familiar so- supporting players, including What We Do in the Shadows, Harvey Guillen. Uh, so EW premiered the brand new first look stills at the movie, um, and they it's being described as a whodunit and a what done it. IFC mm. Films is going to release Werewolves Within in limited theaters on June fifth, and then it'll end up on VOD digital on July second. So it's not much of a gap at all between theaters and VOD, but. I adored Scare Me. I am super stoked for uh, Josh Rubin. Did I believe Xena saw Scare Me. Did you see Scare Me, John? Yep, I saw it too. So I like the natural progression. It's definitely like a familiar setting. Uh, clearly, Rubin is a werewolf fan. And who doesn't <laughs> want a werewolf fan doing a direct, like a werewolf murder mystery? So I don't know if this is exciting for you guys as it is for me. 
It is exciting. I When they first announced it, I was really excited about it because like you and like pretty much all of us, I really, really enjoyed Scare Me. I thought it was hilarious. So yeah. I'll watch anything that he'll put out now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm down for it. I'm a big Josh Rubens fan from his like college humor and uh, like dorkly bits and stuff that he's done online. <laughs> and like he definitely lived up to it with Scare Me. So yeah, I'm I'm totally in for it. Awesome. All right, listeners, your turn. Ready for Spike Lee to drop some old gods on us? Can't get enough werewolf shenanigans? Well, let's hear about it. Numbers 224-475-1040. The number's in the show notes, too. If phones aren't your jam, no worries. And if you don't want to call and have your voice on the air or national rates are messing you up, please feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for a chance to ask questions. Finally, Xena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clues in on what we should be watching. So, Xena, what should we be watching? So besides from Bloody Disgusting TV, we have a <laughs> bunch of cool movies coming our way. So first, that's out the first, Monday, The Stylist. It's out on Arrow. And Megan raved about this movie. She gave it such a great review that you guys can read on bloodydisgusting.com. You did. I read it. I was like, oh, yeah, Megan. That's why I'm on. Yeah. You read. Thank you. <laughs> Not okay, that you can't read. That sounded terrible. <laughs> but I'm oh my that you read my gosh. review. <laughs> oh, you're reading now. Yeah, no, yeah. I, got it. I know <laughs> you read. <laughs> so then next up on Tuesday the 2nd, um, we all enjoyed this one. We just spoke about it. Scare Me. It will be available on DVD. Also out on Tuesday, Dementor. After fleeing a backwoods cult, a woman tries to turn her life around by taking a job in a home for special needs adults only to, to discover that she must face a dark her dark past to save a Down Syndrome girl. So I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for, for this one, but I think it looks pretty interesting. Uh, this is from the same director who, uh, who directed, and I believe he wrote Jug Face. Yeah, I really like that one. And then on Thursday, the 4th, Lucky will be on Shudder. So uh, this is from Natasha Kermani. Kermani, this is like her second movie. Um, she directed the drama sci-fi Imitation Girl from 2017, which is such a beautiful movie. Um, with the movie Lucky, a self-help book author finds herself stalked by a threatening figure who returns to her home um, night after night. And she's forced to take matters into her own hands when she can't get the help from those around her. So that one sounds interesting. And plus, it's been receiving so many awesome reviews about that one. And then on Friday on VOD, uh, when a young boy falls ill to a mysterious illness, his mother must decide how far she'll go to protect him from terrifying forces in her past. This one looks really cool, actually. I wonder if it's culty. I don't know. But, you know, that's that's my jam. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you you should watch it. Okay, I like, so I, like this one. I knew. Yes. Okay. And then last. Uh, so out if on... nobody listened to the advertisement at the top of the episode, <laughs> listen to Megan and go watch Sun. S O N. Yes. <laughs> there we go. And then the last one coming out on Friday the 5th as well. Um, so if you're someone who enjoys slashers, you may enjoy this one. Dreamcatcher will be available on VOD. The director um, and writer of this one, Jacob Johnson, he says, the inception of Dreamcatcher began with a love of classic literature, 90s ensemble horror, and a late night walk to my neighborhood Trader Joe's. Honestly, he mentioned with him mentioning Trader Joe's, I'm sold. <laughs> I really just love it there. So it is it is a great place. 
So there you go. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And guess what? We got a Patreon page. Yeah. Megan's been busy and set up our Patreon page. So check out patreon.com slash BDisgustingPod for everything you get for supporting the show, which will be including some bonus episodes and plenty of extra content. And we're on Facebook, evidently. (laughs) Search Bloody Disgusting Podcast, and we'll get you the address for that next week. (laughs) So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 